Hi everyone, Dr. B here again for another episode of Ask the Dentist. I just want to first start out by saying thank you so much for the warm reception, the reviews. I've only done about, I think this is the 8th or 10th podcast, and already we're breaking into the top 100 for the category of oral health. In some countries, we're in the top 15, and it just demonstrates to me that there's a real need for this kind of information. There's just not enough not enough podcasts on oral health out there. And oral health is so, so tightly, intimately connected to overall health. So I'm glad you guys are listening and asking questions because you guys get it. You really do. That oral health is is key to overall health. So just just a quick thank you for that. I appreciate it. And as the podcast continues, I'll, I'll give you more data and more stats on how we're doing. Again, thanks for your support. Today, we're going to talk about something that isn't recognized by dentistry. We don't have an official term for it. It's been controversial for a long time. So I'm very glad that Jessica asked this question because it's it's very illuminating uh, about the profession, but also what needs to be done to make this more more readily known or or studied. We do have studies on it, but dentistry is still kind of pushing back on it a little bit, although that's beginning to change. So let's let Jessica ask her a question. Here she is. Hey, Dr. B. How do you feel about cavitations? I'm seeing a functional medicine doctor and I've had several health issues for about five years. And he said a glaring problem could be a cavitation, which I had my wisdom teeth removed. And then following that, I had all my health issues start. Let me know. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jessica. Great question. So a cavitation, what is a cavitation? It is an empty space in the body, in, typically in the jawbone. And this is definitely a problem because whenever there's an empty space in the body, the immune system really doesn't know what to do with it. It tries to wall it off. There's no blood supply to that area. And it, it can become very infected, uh, very necrotic. But I'm going to talk more about that. So this is not a recognized term in dentistry. It's kind of like Lyme disease in medicine, although it's gotten a lot better. But back 10, 20 years ago, Lyme disease really wasn't recognized as a natural disease. Cavitation is the short term for cavitational osteonecrosis. So if you want to Google it, I would recommend Googling that. Sometimes you'll see it under ischemic osteonecrosis. Cavitational osteonecrosis just means that there's a hole due to death of bone Ischemic means that there's no blood supply. Again, death of bone due to lack of blood supply. And again, it's a hollow space surrounded by dead bone, and it's typically in the jawbone. It's related to dental procedures. So this space where no bone exists, it can be empty. It can be a kind of an open space, and it, it can also be filled with toxins, infectious elements, and it's usually very painless. In other words, you don't know about it until it shows up on an x-ray. And again, dentistry doesn't really recognize this as a real problem or actually as an entity, as a disease. I remember 10, 15 years ago, there was a brilliant oral surgeon in my area in the South Bay, south of San Francisco, in the Silicon Valley. And and he, I think his license was actually pulled because he built his practice. He was an oral surgeon. He built his practice on fixing these cavitations. And he was one of the experts. But because it wasn't really a recognized entity or state of being, disease state in dentistry, 
they thought he was a quack and that he was unnecessarily charging patients for this procedure that was not needed. And fortunately, that that is not the case today, although not all dentists are up to speed on, on cavitations. So what does the diagnosis entail? What, what would that be? What's the best way to find out whether you have a cavitation or not? Typically, first of all, I would go see your dentist, ask him if you, th- if you think you have any cavitations based on, on your dental and medical history. In other words, have you had wisdom teeth taken out? Do you have any root canals? Are those root canals doing well? Are they infected at the tips? Are they failing or leaking? We call that. So that's dental and medical history. And then, you know, look at a two-dimensional x-ray, usually a panorex. That's that big kind of wide film, but that's just a good screening film. If a cavitation is suspected in that film, that alone is not adequate for a concrete diagnosis. I would go to the three-dimensional cone beam type of x-ray, which is something new in dentistry. It's fabulous. Uh, It gives us so much more information. And that way you can see the cavitation exactly where it is. And that's really the way to do that. Don't see your dentist and then have him or her say, oh, you have a cavitation and then get treatment for that. It's a detailed diagnosis that's required. And I would even get a second opinion on it because surgery is required to fix this. So what are the causes of these little cavitations, these little holes in the jawbone? Typically, it's something that happened during dental treatment. It's trauma, lack of blood flow to the area. It could be post-extraction. In other words, you've had a tooth taken out. And uh, during that procedure, some debris was left behind or the epithelial lining or the periodontal ligament, that's tissue between the tooth and bone, was already infected and was left behind. That's supposed to be debrided out and cleaned out after an extraction or before you place a bone graft. I think that most cavitations come from cutting bone. You know, we take our little drills or we call them hand pieces and we take a special burr and to gain access to a tooth typically a impacted or fully impacted wisdom tooth. That means that the bone is covering the wisdom tooth. It's laying on its side and we can't get to it. So we have to cut through the bone to get to that tooth to remove it. That creates a lot of heat. Unless you're using a special surgical handpiece with a lot of water spray or flow and taking your time. But a bone is very sensitive to heat. It will necrose. It'll die. The blood supply will shrink back. And that part, that part of the bone or jawbone that was subjected to the heat may not grow back. And that's your cavitation. It may be fine for a while, but then because the body can't really fix that area or keep it, keep it sterile or keep it from becoming infected, then uh, infections can grow in these cavitations. Chronic infection at the base of a endodontically treated tooth. In other words, you have a root canal, it's failing. And when root canals fail, those bacteria tend to be very virulent. And if they're left behind after the root canal tooth is extracted, that could lead eventually to a cavitation. In other words, the tooth gets pulled out, the body tries to fill that socket. This is assuming you're not getting a bone graft, which I do recommend, by the way, do get the bone graft. But for a long time before we had bone grafts, we were extracting teeth. The body would lay in its own bone to fill and remodel that that socket and fill it up and and plug it essentially. And it wasn't always a good fix. In other words, it would wall off the infection at the very bottom of the socket and that would turn into a cavitation. I hope I'm describing this well enough so you can visualize where these cavitations come from. And they're typically very small, but a small infection in your jawbone can be devastating. So those are the causes. 
So linking cavitations to chronic disease. And Jessica, I'm trying to answer your question here. I think you're getting the idea that I am pretty keen on cavitations, or at least finding them and making sure that they are not causing problems. Early in my career, I would not have said that because I didn't know enough about it. It was not brought to my attention in dental school. So linking the cavitations to chronic disease. The immune system literally is activated. This is a chronic infection in your jawbone. And the immune cells are activated. Your immune system is on alert. So there's going to be inflammation. Chronic inflammation is not a good thing. We know this. Gum disease, cardiovascular disease, inflammation of the endothelial cells or the lining of the blood vessels. Chronic inflammation is not what we're good at dealing with. You know, a short-term acute inflammation the body takes care of and then it's done. Again, the body's trying to wall off these little cavitations or little holes and the body cannot defend itself in these areas. There's no blood supply. You can't really get an antibiotic to this area. There's no way to carry the antibiotic to this area. And then once the cavitation establishes itself and there is some infectious material in there, these bugs, these virulent bugs, bacterium, will travel throughout the body to, you know, via lymph vessels and blood vessels, also via biological anatomical spaces. There are a lot of little anatomical spaces in the floor of the mouth and in the oral cavity that if you get an infection in, it can travel down to your heart, for example. These are just like little channels, not bloodstream and not lymph vessels. But in addition to those two, these three things, you can a cavitation can lead to chronic disease, problems, tiredness, uh, infection, inflammation of other organs. You know, there, there are three mechanisms of how oral bacteria can affect you systemically and give you a systemic disease. And again, remember early on, I said, this stuff's invisible, there's no pain, and you're not really aware of this cavitation. So what's the treatment? It's surgery, unfortunately. I mean, that's really the only way to deal with this. You have to enter the lesion. You have to clean it out. Debridement is what we call it. You have to biopsy the material if there's any in there. Sometimes it's good to biopsy the bone to make sure it's not a problem. And this lesion needs to be cleaned out. Sometimes we use a laser. We'll use hand instruments. Uh, we have something called the bone file. I mean, again, it's all very small, very tiny. Patients not aware of this. They're numb. But it's like cancer. When you do cancer surgery and you're doing a, a excisional biopsy, you want to make sure you get all of it because it can spread. So hopefully that analogy helps. And then after we've cleaned the area out, sometimes we'll just close it up. We'll suture the tissue over it, or we'll put in a little bone graft or some other biologically active material to fill the cavitation so that it can't fill up again with bacteria or other infectious kind of materials. And again, after surgery, but I would also recommend before surgery, ask your dentist or oral surgeon about immune support. Make sure that you're healthy and that you can handle all of this. And removing it is, is one thing, but healing the rest of the body because of, of this little infection in your jawbone, it's, it's a good idea to have that on board, especially before surgery. All right, Jessica, so I've come this far. I've explained a lot, hopefully, but I haven't really answered your question. How do I feel about cavitations? I, I feel pretty strongly about it. I think it is a problem. I think it's a problem that dentistry needs to address it's kind of in the same category as putting mercury into fillings. Does that cause metal toxicity and neurological damage to the body? 
root canals. Root canals are also very controversial in dentistry. A well-done root canal is fine, but so many root canals fail and then are left in there and can cause systemic disease as well and inflammation throughout the body. So dentistry has a lot of things that we do and because it's a tricky place to work, the mouth, and we're doing a lot of surgery and and there are some unique aspects of the mouth, like inanimate objects erupting out through the jawbone and tissue. How does the body deal with that? So it's a tricky area to work, and I think it's really up to dentistry to address cavitations, give it the attention and the respect that it deserves, and then this will help many, many patients. So yes, I feel very strongly about it. I think if you think that if you're a functional medical provider, by the way, that's fantastic that he's including that, then definitely go see a specialist, someone that really is an expert in cavitational aspects of of dentistry. I think your regular general dentist is best to refer out for this kind of thing, especially when it comes to the surgery. But the good news is this, what I've seen, I mean, I've seen cavitations and I've seen them have an effect systemically and I've seen improvement after the cavitation is dealt with. But here's the good news. It doesn't happen very often. The body does a pretty good job or the dentist did a good job when we took out a wisdom tooth and we don't see it too often. But that doesn't mean that when we don't see it, we should ignore it because it doesn't seem to be a problem. That's not what I'm saying. We should treat these with respect and really take a look. And again, go right to the cone beam, the 3D x-ray. Anyway, I hope that gives you an idea of how I feel about cavitations. There are lots of studies out now coming at least and more and more on cavitations. And I'm hoping that dentistry soon will officially recognize cavitations. I I think we're on the verge of that. And that's not to say that certainly there are some good dentists out there right now that are treating them and able to fix them for you. So one last thing I want to say is that it sounds like in your question, you said that you had some health issues since you had your wisdom teeth surgery. And uh, I'm not sure how long it's been since you've had your wisdom teeth surgery. But if it is a cavitation, definitely have it looked at. and And I hope that does take care of the problem. So thanks, Jessica, for asking that question. Hope I wasn't too long-winded, but it is a complicated topic. That concludes today's episode. Again, great question. Thanks, Jessica. I'm sure many people will benefit from this discussion. Again, if you think you have a cavitation, it's worth looking into. It's unlikely that it's a problem, but, you know, gosh, don't let these things cook away in your your jawbone and then find out later and have regret that you didn't deal with it. And again, if you are looking to find out if you have any cavitations, you may have to see a functionally minded dentist. They are trained to address cavitations. That is in their protocol. They've been trained to deal with cavitations. Uh, so if you're looking for someone like that, go to askthedentist.com slash directory. And there's a growing list of like-minded uh, and trained functional dentists that will address it. They, they won't say it's not a problem. They will, they will address it and either treat it or give you a referral. If you have any other questions about anything, go to our website, askthedentist.com. My daughter and I have been working on that along with other contributors, other dentists for 10 years now, and that probably will spark a question. So uh, that's good. Keep asking. Again, that's the premise of askthedentist.com. If you don't ask, you're, you're not going to get a good outcome, a good treatment outcome. And lastly, if you have a question, please go to speakpipe.com slash askthedentist and ask away. And I will be listening to each of these questions and I will try and answer them for you. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the support. And we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day.
Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search our Find a Dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.